Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Mm -hmm. And we are recording on a Sunday morning, which is unusual for us. Yep. Lately. Coffee instead of wine today. I know. First cup of coffee, so I'm still a little like, okay, what's going on? I know. I mean, it's actually my second cup of coffee, but it's been a slow morning for me. But I was, you already got a shower. Like, no, but I mean, how together am I really? My hair is still wet. I was like watching the Great British Bake Off all morning, and I was like, I really need that to. That sounds perfect. Like, I wish I could have done that. I this freaking love that show so much. I was just like, oh, and my car isn't at my apartment. Great. Yeah, anytime you have to Uber first thing in the morning, that, that's less than fun. Very. Um, so, comparatively, that seems like first world problems, yeah, given right? exactly. the topic of today's podcast. Right, exactly. So, we are going to be talking about homelessness, specifically women in homelessness, and what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a subject that has been on our list for quite a while as something that I wanted to do in December, specifically around the holidays, because people tend to be more open-hearted yeah. around the holidays, mm-hmm. and also with more the weather. To give. Yeah, yeah. And with the weather being cold, I mean, I think it's kind of a little chilly here, yeah. let alone in other parts of We're the country. We're so spoiled. Yeah, and other parts <laughs> of the world. It's something that I think we all need to kind of put a focus on. Definitely. Yeah. We really do. So one in 194 people in the U.S. will experience homelessness at some point over a year-long period. And I read somewhere that women are about 40% of homeless, and I've also read that they're about 50% of homeless. So I don't know which is the correct statistic. Um, I have a few statistics as well, which I'll talk about in a minute, but I think the reason why there's a, a large disparity in numbers is mm-hmm. because, you know, I have friends who work with the homeless community here in L.A., and when they do counts, I think a lot of times women are more prone to be homeless in a sense that we don't typically think about, which is, yeah. like, maybe they're displaced and staying on people's couches or right. in their cars and they're homeless in that way, okay. uh, as opposed to, like, literally being on the street, which can change the numbers. When they count yeah. homelessness, it's usually, like, people who are on, on the, the street. street. Yeah. Um, so... I have here from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, women and families are the fastest growing segment of the homeless population. 34% of the total homeless population is comprised of families. And of those families, 84% are headed by women, particularly single mothers. Right. I found this uh, website, Mashable, and they listed, I think it was like seven things that 
uh, you don't think about when it comes to women and homelessness. And the first thing that came up was lack of period products. Mm-hmm. And as someone who is on her period right now, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I would die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean... That was something that I don't think even really occurred to me until a few years ago. Yeah. I think I was going through a particularly painful period. (laughs) You're just like, how do homeless people do this? Yeah, yeah, because it's so uncomfortable. You feel so dirty. I know whenever I take... Uh, whenever I'm on my period, I take baths constantly uh-huh. or, like, showers constantly just to feel clean. Or even just, like, for me, it's, like, if if something bad happens, I just have to take, like, a towel and, like, clean up a little bit. And it's just, like... Right. It's just awful. And, and to imagine having to be on the street um, already in a pretty uncomfortable situation and then... Yeah. Maybe only having, if you're lucky, like, one tampon per day. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. Well, can you... Imagine. No, no, <laughs> like, no, I would not I would not survive. I mean I would survive, but it would yeah, be yeah, yeah. it would be awful. It'd be awful. So the majority of shelters aren't allocated governmental funds to put toward period products and pads and tampons often rank low on the financial list of priorities for homeless women. Right. I believe that New York City is uh the first and only US city that requires public schools, jails, and homeless shelters to provide free pads and tampons. Yeah. And it really highlights that this is looked at something that is not a necessity. Yeah. Um, which we already Even knew. Even just for us is crazy. Right. And when you think about people where it, it is 100% just something that, that they need to live, the yeah. fact that it's not so readily accessible is crazy. Right. I mean, and it, it's very clear in our culture that people do not see feminine hygiene products as a necessity. Well, have you read those things where it's like, why can't women just hold it in? Or like, oh, well, well, you're just like, did you never have like a sex ed class well, or anything? Well, in, in my sex ed class, they separated the boys and the girls. That's so, true. you know, I think that that's dumb. Boys need mm-hmm. to be appraised of like what all is involved. It's not like peeing. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just like hold it. Yeah. Uh, first of all. Um, but there is that luxury tax, that pink tax on tampons and feminine hygiene products, which yeah. really highlights that it's not seen. It's considered a luxury. It is considered, considered a privilege. A and I feel so lucky uh, so to bleed <laughs> for like seven straight days so every fun. month. In, in pain, just like the inner lining of my body just ripping itself <laughs> from the walls. Um, have you seen that meme that's like like the woman who is like laying back and she's got tampons over her eyes like they're like they're cucumbers and no. she's like ah oh, such luxury like, <laughs> so luxurious <laughs> you know <laughs> because I love that's, it. that's what it feels like yeah and you, not to mention the health risks involved of keeping a like a tampon in if that's the only exactly. tampon you have keeping it in for an extended period of time is dangerous is very dangerous well and then also speaking of health risks women will often use pieces of cloth or toilet paper or towels or Bunched whatever. Up shirts. Yeah, and it's like that it sounds like you're risking infection. All kinds of yeah. yeah. It's, it's particularly whenever I was watching uh, that video that you and I had talked about. There's yeah. a video which I suggest you guys Google. I think if you Google even like women and homelessness on YouTube, I think it's the first one to come up or at least it was for me, yeah. where they follow uh, one woman in particular and then interview several other homeless women yeah. and they ask them like what they use to yeah. get by and for me it was hearing like yeah I've used like an old tank top or yeah. whatever and I'm like that the amount of bacteria that's probably yeah. on that and then putting it in contact that yeah. way is just unsanitary okay this is a really weird thing to me and it just made me think of this so 
my mom would say that when she was younger and didn't have a tampon, she would roll up toilet paper and use it not as a pad, but as a tampon. I could not do that. And I saw, like... Does there that was, sound insane to you? It, to because me, it does, I yes. was like, what? How do you get it out? Like, I know that you got it all out. Like, I don't know. I don't... Because I was watching that video, and she was talking about how um, if people do tend to give feminine hygiene products, they give pads. And in order to make the pads last longer, she would rip them up and basically, same thing, turn them into tampons. Yeah. And I'm like... How do you get it all out? I, I have a hard enough time using those, like, little OB tampons yeah, that so don't have, have to, the like, applicator. finger yourself yeah, to get it, them in there. Yeah. I have a hard enough time with those. I can't imagine having to fashion a tampon out of cotton or whatever and yeah. shove it up there. I mean, I was just like, Mom, just roll it up and use it as a pad. That's what I do. Now. It'll get right. you by a couple of hours for un- real until you can get the real thing. For real. Um, so I think that we tend to take, uh, clearly, when talking about homelessness, we open up the conversation of the things that we tend to take for granted. Yeah. And we do tend to take for granted the easy accessibility of feminine hygiene products because if you cannot afford to eat, sometimes these women are having to choose between eating for the day and getting a feminine hygiene product. Yeah. Because the average cost of uh, per package of pads is five eighty four, and the average cost for tampons is seven sixty two. Yep. The annual average cost that women spend on pads is seventy dollars, and tampons is ninety dollars. So I feel like mine is way. More. I have to buy a whole new box every time. I buy a new box every time. So yeah, I, I go through them like. Fucking yeah, cakes. I would have to crunch the numbers, but that does seem low to me. That seems yeah. like, you know, if you're purchasing maybe a generic brand where I'm very particular about, like, which brand yeah. I prefer, yeah. um, I have that luxury to be able to do that. Right. There's this lovely organization called Distributing Dignity, and they distribute new bras and feminine hygiene products to women in need. Um, and you can also donate those things to your local homeless shelters as well. That's one thing about this website that I really liked with this list is that at the end it all said, like, ways that you can help. Right. Instead of just talking about the downfalls. What the problem is. Yeah, Yeah. what the problem is and and what we can do about it. Right. I mean, that's something that I've been meaning to do for a while and I really need to start doing. I have friends who... I wanted to make care packages, like, a couple of years ago. I was, like, trying to get that together. I didn't didn't have the money to do it. I was living, you know barely making ends meet, yeah. you know. I yeah, that is something that if you are financially able is a good idea to do. Whenever I have lots of friends who will make care packages, keep them in their car just like little Ziploc baggies to yeah. hand out. I Usually, think that's a great idea. It's like a bottle of water, like an energy bar. Yeah. And I think including things like socks, which are highly requested items yeah. for socks I've heard are like one of the highest requested. Yeah. Um socks and then for women if you could include like even just panty liners, tampons tampons, pads, things like that um, would be extremely helpful. So I think I am going to try and get together at least a handful of those to keep in my car. Yeah, I think that'd be a really good idea. The next thing that I had written down here was that there's a lack of access to comprehensive mental health care, Yeah, which I, I mean, I've never been homeless, but I can definitely relate to in times where my mental health has not been great and I don't have a lot of money and then like the places that I could go that are lower income accessible are like way out in Santa Monica and I'm like I can't afford how am I supposed to get there my day yeah and like time and gas and everything else just to get cheap psychiatric help like it's really frustrating and I'm like and I was okay like I still had like a mom that if I really needed to could like 
help me out a little bit. You right. know what I mean? Um, I can't imagine what it's like for somebody who wants help, who has mental illness, and who's homeless. Because as we know, that the rate of homelessness and mental health care, like, or in mental health, like, it, it really does go together a right. lot. Yeah. Um, and that's for both men and women. There's a large number of people on the street who are not capable of... I think there's a lot of stigma around homelessness. There's a lot of blame that we place on people who are homeless, we think, for whatever reason they've managed to get themselves into this situation on their own. Um, And while I do think there might be some of that, Mm -hmm. I think the vast majority of it is there are hurdles that we can't see. And I think some of that sometimes is mental health. It's really difficult to maintain a job or be able to maintain um, the secure housing if you are suffering from acute mental illness and not able to afford any mental health care because in this country... We don't value mental health the same way we value physical health, no. and we barely value physical health. I was going to say, and physical health, too, like, that's not easy either. So approximately 26% of homeless adults staying in shelters suffer from mental illness. Uh, 47% of homeless women meet the criteria for major depressive disorder, and that's twice the rate of women in the general population. Right. I mean, and to go off of that as well, there are statistics that are as high as 80 to 90% of women who are homeless have experienced some form of extreme trauma. Exactly. Well, that's that's the other thing is that domestic violence can contribute to traumas that are going untreated. And the rates of women who have suffered from domestic abuse, they say that one in four women consider domestic violence to be the main factor in their homelessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, 63% of sheltered homeless women are survivors of domestic abuse. And many women, especially stay-at-home mothers, will stay with their partners who are abusive in fear of homelessness. And then this is something, too, that I didn't really even think about until I was reading about it. But it's like, even, let's say they get a job and there is and they're trying to get away from this person that person can just stalk them at work can just show up and right. that's, I, I was reading about women who got jobs and were working and they lost their jobs because of the way that their abusers were treating them right i mean and that also goes into i was listening to something and it was a woman who was working for an organization in washington dc to help homelessness and particularly like homeless women and she was saying that they have a housing first model of mm-hmm you know, trying to get people back on their feet. But they said that some of the hurdles with that in relation to domestic violence is you can house these families, you can house these women, and if their abusers find them, they will lose that housing. They'll leave, you know. So it's really difficult to keep them housed. There are also... Some There are some things that have been in place, but they're all a little bit flawed with helping women who suffer from domestic violence. There, You can go to a battered woman's shelter, but you can only go for 30 days. Mm-hmm. And then you... But there you will receive some psychiatric help and support groups, things like that. But after 30 days, it's like, hasta la vista, baby, bye. And then they must go to just a regular homeless shelter, which, again, can still have restrictions depending on where you go for how long you can stay. There are certain domestic violence shelters that work with motels, Mm -hmm. but the motels don't have the same, um, like, emergency response systems as, like, a battered women's shelter will, and it's easier for their abusers to find them. Um, The other thing is that a lot of times the housing and the shelters have to be documented Mm -hmm. through the government. Same thing with 
who's there, what their story is, things like that. Like, it's really not that secure and safe. Your information is still out there for somebody who's really trying to find you. And, I mean, just the basic... Our homeless population in this country, and in particular in this city or in other big cities, I mean, this is the first year, I think, in a very long time that there's actually been a decline Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles for homelessness, and it's still something like 35,000 people. Um, So even just having enough beds and room available for you and your entire family. Oh, and and the prices of housing is unreal. Yeah. It's crazy. So there is something called the Housing Voucher Program, or Section 8, which is subsidized housing program where women can stay as long as they want, where a portion of their rent is paid for. But there's kind of a catch with this as well. So the waiting list for a voucher can take weeks to years. Yeah. Two years. And then they can be temporary as well, although they say they can stay as long as they want. If the people decide to take the vouchers away, I would assume that that's what would make it temporary. Right. And it can also be really hard to find landlords who accept these vouchers. And yes. if they don't find someone who accepts the vouchers, their voucher is taken away. Right. And I know that there was a lot of talk as well about, like, it's it's difficult in this city because people don't want... People are trying to build more Section 8 housing and more accessible housing for the homeless, but people don't want it built in their neighborhoods yep. because they don't want their property values going down. It's so... It's it's just I it's, don't know. It's incredibly selfish. It's like, incredibly I selfish. I understand. I understand it. Like as far as being like you've managed to fi- finally buy a house or whatever, yeah. and you want your house to maintain its value. And I understand that. But, but it's like you just we need to give more dignity to the people that we've been taking dignity and more away com- from and more and compassion. Them- just any c- amount of compassion because I think that's sorely lacking with homeless people in general because we somehow see them as other and that we could never end up in a situation like that. Right. So we are like, well, why can't, if if I could get a job and I could do this and then why can't you? I don't understand. And I don't want you to, um, and and I don't want you to be driving my values of my house down because you can't get your shit together. Essentially. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, especially in a place like LA, there are areas that I feel like, it could work. You know what I mean? Like, they're they're working so hard, like, in North Hollywood to kind of, like, bring it up. But I feel like that... North Hollywood is such a populated area of homeless that I feel like that would be a great... Like, there's, they're building apartments all the time. They are, you but know, the, the like, issue with North Hollywood is, like, there is a very clear demarcation, and I've lived on both sides yeah. in North Hollywood, of, like, the kind of lower class area and the area that they're trying to build up and is is becoming very like hipstery and artsy and while I think that's cool and I loved living in that like artsy area of North Hollywood the issue with that as with all kind of gentrification is you are going to be pushing out the people who live in that area exactly I don't understand why it can't be both I mean I do understand like I understand what they're doing and like gentrification and all of that like I'm aware of it but like it's something that I wish it could cohabitate yeah it's really difficult we don't I don't really know what the solution would be right to that um to that issue I don't know. I understand they want to make North Hollywood a but you can't a you nice can't place to make, be, but it's like you can't make every single place in the world so and I say in the world I'm talking about LA. Mm-hmm. So unaccessible to people. I mean, I had such a hard time yep. when I 
broke up with Chris and I had to find a new place, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, my rent more than doubled and I live in a tiny studio in Burbank. You know right. what I mean? I'm like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Trying to find a place that has a decent neighborhood for me to walk my dog isn't going to cost me, like, all of my money every month where I can yeah. still, like, afford fucking food would be great. You yeah. Know? And, like, have a life. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's I so mean, frustrating. And I think that that's... There are so many people who I feel like in, in Los Angeles in particular are homeless that maybe we wouldn't have thought would be homeless or I'm sure they didn't think that they would be homeless because of that. Because everything in this, in the eight years that I have lived here, everything has gotten so much more expensive oh my gosh. than it was when my I first moved here. first apartment, I'm pretty sure I paid like 800 something. And I lived in North Hollywood. I lived on Magnolia. I paid 800, but my apartment was real shitty. <laughs> Mine was like decent. I mean, it was probably closer. It was like 800 something, like closer to 900. But I was like, I was doing pretty good. And yeah. then I had that awesome rent controlled compartment in like North North Hollywood. Yeah. Kind of a shitty that place neighborhood, was nice, But though. it was a nice place. Mm-hmm. And that was rent controlled. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> so yearning. we're we're <laughs> here as people who have jobs and resources and yeah. families that are able to help us. And we struggle financially yeah. in this city. I know you and I were just talking about like bills and how, yeah. you know, the holidays coming up and like, yeah. are we going to be able to get Christmas presents for people? Because yeah. they're, you know, my car registrations due, and like that's $200. Yeah. And I have bills that are overdue. I have, right. you know, there's so, so many things. I can see how you could very quickly, I think with as many people out there who are living paycheck to paycheck, it just takes one thing to happen. You know, oh, yeah. one, if I were to lose my job exactly. right now, I think that's, it takes you know one, I mean? it's it just, takes one job loss. It takes, you know, one emergency situation. It, it takes, takes one hospital stay. It takes one breakup. I mean, right. like, there was a time I was sleeping on a couch, and I was like, what the fuck am I gonna do? I mean, I still had the means to find a new place, but it was just, like, there's... It just throws everything right. off. You never know what's gonna happen in your yeah. life and what your financial situation is gonna be. Nothing's permanent. And it's... Yeah, and it's a very privileged position to say that you would never end up in that position, because... Yeah you know, you probably have family that's able to help you or you have other resources. And some people don't. They just don't. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I guess in 2000, the number of voucher holders unable to use their vouchers and receive housing was 31%, which sucks because they waited, got the vouchers, and they're like, sorry, you can't use it. So I think we've already discussed the issue of um, periods. You know, I think the other part of that that we can talk about a little bit is outside of just getting the necessary feminine hygiene products, there is also the issue of periods, one, in general, being so stigmatized, just Mm -hmm. even in our lives, periods are very stigmatized. I mean, if somebody asked me for a tampon, I, like, hand it off to them like I'm doing a drug deal. Oh, my God, yeah. I was at a show the other night, and I didn't have a sleeve to, like, stuff my tampon in. Yeah, I was like, it's so... And we have to buy these pretty packaged things so they don't look... Right. But it's like, it's a fucking tampon. Yeah, and half or more of the world's population um, has periods, guys. They're not, they're not weird or gross or anything like that. They're just a natural body, bodily function like anything else. But there's shame involved. There's shame involved in periods in general. And then if you do not have the resources to clean the way that you should really whenever you are on your period 
or the resources to change your clothes if yeah. something were to happen, like you were to bleed through your pants. Which is literally me every month. It's happened, it happened to happens everyone. every month for me. It's just like, can I not have any underwear anymore? Can right. I not have any nice it's, underwear? It's happened to, it, ha- it has happened to almost every woman, I would say. And then... You know, there's also the issue of, for both of us, I know we experience very painful cramps. Or there are women out there who have PCOS or endometriosis or any of these other kind of, you know, reproductive issues. Yeah, and the healthcare that we were, you know, mental healthcare, it also goes over to... Uh, just regular healthcare, especially when it comes to, like, gynecological... Gynecological? Mm -hmm. Yeah. God, I'm so tired. I'm like, is that a word? That's a word. Problems, you know what I mean? And uh, a a big thing that I think about is pregnancy. Oh, yeah. So the rate of unintended pregnancies among homeless women is higher than that of the general population, probably because they don't have the same access to protection. They don't have the same... um, Information You don't know what their lives were like growing up. Maybe they weren't taught, given certain information. Um, complications at birth are far more common for homeless mothers and their babies. Homeless women are three times more likely to have a preterm delivery than a housed woman. And there are places that offer free prenatal care, but many women don't go because they're afraid of going and discussing their income or saying that they're homeless or whatever, and then having fear of them taking the baby child away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and so also they, it's not very widely publicized that these places exist. Right. You know, maybe if you're in a community people can share information with you, whatever, but I just don't think that it's talked about enough to say, yeah, there is a place for you to go. Right. And also, they need to know that they're going to be safe to explore their options, just like you right. and I would be. You Absolutely. Know? And um, they also, unfortunately, will receive much lower quality care. It's not going to be as good of a doctor right. as you know, somewhat, you know, some doctor in Beverly Hills or something, yeah. you know, but there is something called the homeless prenatal program, which uses donations to help get women connected with resources in the area and ensure they have access to quality care, which I think is really great. I do. I think it's really great too. Um, it does open up a whole bag of worms after that. I think we need more resources for new moms yeah. who are well, homeless. Childcare is my next yeah. bullet point. Yeah, so apparently Minnesota, North Dakota, Utah, Delaware, Mississippi, Maine, and Hawaii are the only states that prioritize homeless children for child care assistance. There is more pressure on women to create a more stable housing situation, <clears throat> the patriarchy. <laughs> if not, they fear their children will be taken away. Um, and a lot of times, these women, as most single mothers and mothers in this day and age do, you know, back in the day of, you know, leave it to beaver. It's like the dad goes off to work, the mom stays home and takes care of the house. Now there is still this idea that women are still supposed to take care of the house, but they're also supposed to work. So they have two things going on. Well, and women are predominantly seen as caretakers of children. Yes, exactly. So they are expected to go out and work, but also take care of their children. And then for a, a single mom who is low income or homeless, they like, and if your child is sick or if anything happens, I mean, there's times all the time that I'm called in and it's like, oh, T got sick. We need you to watch him and all of these things. It's like they can only have part time jobs or they have to leave their jobs early or risk losing their jobs because of it. And then there's not childcare out there that's 
affordable enough and if they don't have family to support them or right. anyone and, to watch them. And if you are a mother of small children and you are looking for a job, mm-hmm. I remember there was a couple of years ago where a woman got arrested because she left her children in a public park while she went on a job interview Yeah, um, because she was homeless and Mm -hmm. a single mother of small children and she didn't have anywhere to no one could watch them you can't yeah. take your kids with you yeah exactly. to a job interview yeah you know so it makes it it's one more hurdle for these people to try and get on their feet yeah. you know and child care is expensive and a lot of times it's not like these women are just like oh whatever like i'm homeless and have children like la di da di da it's like no most of the time these people are really trying to make yes. their lives better yes. and really care about their children it's not like they're just being flippant, you know? Yeah, like they're they not... really are trying. I think most of these people are not being neglectful. Yeah. And I think there's also another aspect of that whenever we talk about domestic violence. And, you know, a lot of these domestic violence situations are so controlling yeah. that these women have maybe never had a job before, yeah. have no experience, really. Yeah. They're trying to start their lives over from scratch. Yeah, and don't have their own money, don't have their own anything, and are trying to figure out who they are again, right. let and alone trying to build a financial life for themselves. Right. It's very difficult for people like you and I, who have experience, work experience, to find jobs. Yeah. Like, the job market is difficult to crack into. Uh-huh. Imagine maybe you don't have the educational experience or any previous work experience, really. Yeah. And then you have kids that you can't <laughs> drop yeah. off somewhere to go to a job interview. Exactly. You don't this know how to write a resume. Like, it's like All a of this stuff, trap. it's like, starts with period products, goes into lack of sex education, goes into uh, childbirth, lack of care, lack of childcare. Like, I feel like it everything we talk about is mm-hmm. just... It spins into something else. It does, and it all starts at the beginning. You know, it all starts when they're children, which is why I was reading that children with a single mother who is homeless are five times more likely to be in poverty than children. It even says than children with two parents, which I'm assuming just means that because maybe they'd have enough income. An added income. Yeah. Um, And about three quarters of children with a single mother are homeless. Well, it's really difficult to break out, even if you're not homeless, it's really difficult to break out of the cycle of poverty, right? Because a lot of times the people who are getting the better jobs, going to the better schools are Mm -hmm. people whose parents or grandparents can afford it. And it usually takes generations to build up that kind of wealth if you weren't born into it. Right. And then also there's just been so many issues, you know, even in our lifetime, you know, the stock market crash and the recession and all that kind of stuff where it's like my family was very well off when I was growing up. My mom always jokes, like, remember when we were rich? Like, we were never rich, but, like, we always joke about that. Like, oh, remember when things were easy? Because now all of us are, like, living in tiny little studio apartments. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. But it's like, you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, I'm I'm thankful that I've never been one of those people that needs a whole lot. I don't need a big place. I don't right. need a lot of expensive stuff. Like, I'm very content with my smaller lifestyle. Right. Well, I mean, I think we are fortunate in that we have, and I remind myself of this a lot of the time whenever I'm, like, upset about my job or yeah. or something like that, where it's like, you know what? We have a roof over our head. Yep. We have the means to turn on a heater and yep. stay warm. I have the means to get food, Yeah, <laughs> you know? I have the means to take care of an animal that exactly. loves me and that yeah. is my support, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's something, too, that I've always seen. There was this 
uh, this man on Venice Beach named Art. And I don't know if I've ever talked about Art on the podcast, but this is one of my favorite stories. So he was homeless, and he's an artist. His name is Art. It's perfect. <laughs> and he had this... Uh, his like collection was called the Funky Pussy. So I have yeah. you've seen my yeah, painting yeah. where it's the cat with the middle finger and it says Funky Pussy. It's my favorite piece of art that I have. I've got like four or five pieces of his in my apartment. And I first met him when I was eighteen, my first week in LA. And every time I would go to Venice, especially when my mom was there, my mom would have to visit art. We would always go and buy stuff and talk to him and how you doing, how you doing. He was an alcoholic. He was living in an alley, all this stuff. And then he got a dog little dog named Murphy, and he was going to AA, and he had found a place, like a, kind of like an underground, like little apartment place to stay, Mm -hmm. and he was just like, this dog has saved my life, Mm -hmm. and so he was sober, like I'd never, he was so incoherent most of the time when I saw him that we would just kind of get a kick out of him, because he was just like out of his mind, but so sweet and so talented, and so he got this dog, he started going to AA, he sobered up, and then a few months later, I went back out to Venice and I went to go visit Art and he's not there. And I'm like, oh God, he's dead. Like immediately Mm -hmm. I was just like, the worst has happened. And so I asked the woman next to his, where his station would be. And I'm like, where's Art? She goes, oh, you didn't hear? And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And she goes, oh, this buyer, this like art buyer from London came and like gave him this like, like $10,000, $100,000 like buyout basically and is like keeping he's living in london oh that's he's so nice making art for this person to buy Good. and sell isn't it amazing that's amazing and you know i know that there's a lot of debate about whether or not homeless people should have animals because they think that they can't care for them and listen of course i am never one to see an animal be neglected or abused mm-hmm. i you know i think it's situational It is situational because in some respects it is like that. And in most respects that I'm able to um, see, you know, there is someone in my hometown in Springfield, Missouri, who has a cat Mm -hmm. and he will he will, you know, keep the cat in this kind of almost like a stroller wagon sort of covered wagon thing. And the cat always stays in there. She's warm. She's protected. Yeah. He might not eat, but the cat eats. Yeah. He might not eat, but the cat well, gets the help that it needs. And this is the thing, too, because there's so many dogs out there that need people. And there's homeless dogs. You know what I mean? There's dogs right. all over the place and cats and animals where if two beings of any kind can find each other and give each other that love companionship and, support and, and companionship. love it's something to live for and it i is. think i think it's and it look at what it did for art right, i mean my right. god this dog was his world and he just changed it's he turned very, his life around it's very privileged to say that they don't deserve that yeah. or they're incapable yeah um you know i don't think it's fair to do that um of course listen I love my cats so much, and I would love to be able to say that if I ever got into a position where I couldn't take care of them, that I would do the right thing. I don't. I don't think know? I could ever give up Dorothy. Well, I mean, I would love to say that I could, but I would. I would do everything I could to. She's my baby. I mean, of course I would. My cats are my babies, too. But because they're my babies, the same way that I would tell somebody who cannot take care of their children, exactly, that the better thing for you to do is to make sure that your children are taken care of in whatever no. way possible. Yeah. Um, but the the fact of the matter is, I've seen lots of homeless people who take very good care of their animals exactly. and put their animals first. Yeah. You know, which is what I would do. I would yeah. do everything possible to make sure my cats were, exactly. were safe and healthy and fed. Exactly. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the decline of 
welfare state, because we're already kind of talking about that kind of stuff. Cool. So federal aid intended to assist the homeless population has declined, leaving financial strain on the homeless um, families in particular. The Aid to Families with Dependent Children was established by the Social Security Act of 1935 to provide welfare for children who do not have adequate parental support. Their funds are continually cut. And then... um, In 1996, President Clinton endorsed the Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Act, which required that a person had to work in order to receive government assistance and support. So this turned the aid to families with dependent children into the temporary assistance for needy families with fixed funding. So it's a block grant, which means that states can decide where the money goes to and like what purposes it's going to be there for. Um, and it's, also, yeah, and often food stamps and the money that they receive from these organizations or these bills or whatever still leave families below the poverty line. Yeah. So with, you know, Clinton changing it is, that bill a little bit is like... It's bizarre to me the way so this family... Uh, this family. Well, we are like one big family, aren't we? Just the way this country has demonized the poor. Yeah. We have demonized poverty. Yeah. We're so deeply classist. Well, look like, at the notebook. He's a poor, <laughs> I know. He's a poor. Um, but we've demonized it to the point of, I know that there were a lot of arguments going around being, because there's this this false notion of the welfare queen, right? Like yeah. someone who refuses to work just so they can leech off the government. Yeah. And it's actually a very rare person yeah. who does that. Not to that say it doesn't happen. shameless. <laughs> Um, and it's not to say that it, it doesn't happen, right. but I know that there was a lot of conversations going around a few years ago about people who we are judging what people are buying with their food stamps, right? Yeah. Like, we're we're judging, like, oh, I can't believe they bought cake mix with their food stamps. And it's like... But it's their kid's birthday. Yeah. And, like, know? who are we to say that people who are in poverty don't deserve any bit of shred... God forbid, they should just live off of, like, gruel and black coffee. And, like, that's it. You know what I mean? It's so... It's so fucked up that we do that. You know, everyone ends up in a position where they need a little help sometimes. And, yes, I would love it if that help came from other people. I would love it if, you know, there were enough food pantries run by organizations and churches and everyday people that we could keep everyone fed, but that's simply not happening. Yeah. So, uh, in it, I don't know. It just it really really upsets me. It, it it very much upsets me as well. And just the fact that that, you know, he just he took something that was already kind of like dwindling with funds and was just like let's make it even harder right i mean it's the whole pick yourself up by your bootstraps mentality of like well i was able to do this thing so why can't you do this thing and it's like because situations are different and circumstances are different um and you don't know what that person went Mm -hmm. through growing up you don't know what kind of relationship they've come out of or what their mental health issues are like you know and it's one of those things too whenever we talk about people who are different than us whether it be race, sexuality, um, living, uh, what what am I looking for? The word, whether you're rich or poor. Uh, I think cl- of this? Class. Class, thank you. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like we can be so judgy, but you spend two minutes talking to somebody and you're like, this is a person. Right, we need and to start connecting. And it suddenly becomes more clear. Right. And it's like, you just, instead of needing to actually speak to that person and get, like, your fucking poverty porn on, like, right. you need to just put 
think and put yourself in that person's shoes to empathy. be able to understand and just have some fucking empathy. Yeah, it's for empathy. Sakes. You know, that's the thing. And it's like we should be connecting on a human level to people. Like we need to be. Much. It, it doesn't it, take much. It doesn't take much to sit and just imagine what that would be like I mean, and how scary that would be. And you and I have had conversations about, I know that um, people like Anthony's been scammed before by, you know, people saying they were homeless when they weren't and things like that. And it's kind of hardened him and made him like a little bit more um, bitter kind well, of yeah, in a way. Just like, don't be an asshole and I mean, say you're homeless uh, when you're not. Of course. <laughs> but here's the thing though. Like, if you are an empathetic person and you are doing something out of the kindness of your heart, giving money or food or whatever to someone on the street who is asking for it. What they do with that afterwards yep. is on them. It's, it's on not them. on you. No. You've done... Your conscience is still clear. Yep. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's, that's their karma that they can That's their karma. Exactly. Your, your karma remains intact, exactly. you know? I, I do try and... If there's someone outside of 7-Eleven, we do try and say, like, hey, do you want... You know, can I get you some beef jerky and a Gatorade? Exactly. Like, exactly. Should we talk a little bit about safety when it comes yes. to the homeless? I was actually going to bring this up. Oh, my so, God, girl. So... Many shelters are very male dominated. Yes. And that Well, yeah, I think we should also say like the the population for um the, the male population for homelessness is is higher. The yeah. numbers are higher. I know we discussed like that's debatable because there are a lot of quote unquote homeless women yeah. who are staying with friends or yeah. you know something like that. But the number of counted men on the street yeah. is higher. There's a large number of mentally ill men in particular, mm-hmm. vets in particular on the street. Yeah, and so the fear of sexual assault for homeless women is very high. Is, is very high, and they can't. Like, panhandling is legal, but there's a lot of fear in that because I think there's some, you know, people can be territorial. Mm-hmm. Um, people can become violent when it comes to money and needing it. Mm-hmm. And also, it's just, it is scary. Like, I wouldn't want to be a woman by myself on the street asking for money. So that's a lot of times how women will end up in sex work right. or uh, unwanted sex work. Uh, yes. And um and doing and, and selling drugs or anything that they can mm-hmm. because the more legal and accepted ways of receiving money can be so dangerous right. for them. And I you, the BBC has a documentary series. Um I can't remember what it's called right now, but if you if you um look on YouTube for like BBC homeless and women, it will pop up um where they follow a lot of like homeless couples and women in particular and they say that all the time they're like people will assume that I'm a sex worker and come and like make very lewd advances towards me and they have very little very few ways to actually protect themselves so if someone we talk about going to a bar and someone not taking no for an answer and getting aggressive with us imagine if you did not have the added protection of any support and you were also staying on the street your chances of being sexually assaulted or raped go way way up yeah and then when they do get to shelters, women often feel very unsafe. Um, they there are really there's a lot of accounts of sexual assault in like the showers mm-hmm. at shelters. Women will often in public and in shelters refuse to use those restrooms mm-hmm. in fear. I mean, I I have fear going to the restroom like at a bar sometimes. You know what I mean? Like. It just scares me. I don't want to be by myself and tucked away. It's like, vulnerable. You it, feel yeah. vulnerable. And I know, like, I used to volunteer at um, 
battered women's shelters. Mm-hmm. And we would go with our youth group at the time, whenever I was like in high school, and they either would not let the boys in the youth group, including like my brother, go, or sometimes they would have to leave because these battered women's shelters are all women and families and uh-huh. they have an and extreme so fear and distrust of men in general. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're children, yeah. like, you know, teenage yeah. boys. Like, you don't know. They, you they don't know. Yeah. have a very hard time trusting men because of the situations they've come them. out of. Don't yeah. blame them. So I if you're too. fleeing a domestic violence situation and you end up in a co-ed uh, you know, homeless well, because shelter. You can only stay in a battered women's shelter for thirty days. Right. So then your your trauma, you have unresolved trauma. You yeah, know exactly. So women experiencing homelessness are often given harsher punishments as well for similar crimes as their male counterparts. So when it talks, when, when we talk about you know, sex work, selling drugs, different things like that, and a lot of these women end up incarcerated, and. A lot of times when they are incarcerated, they'll say it's like for their protection. Like judges will say we're, we're protecting them by putting them in incarceration from the lives that they are leading or whatever, which I think is like kind of bullshit. I mean, I have heard it said from women that they're like, oh, I'd rather be in jail because at least when I was in jail, I had like three squares and, and warmth. But the problem with that is you are further stigmatizing them when they get out. Yep. And, and they're going to have a much harder time. Exactly. And you're not equipping them with... Right. They're not going to be socialized. Yeah. with Or with any sort of, like, skill or, right. like, sense of, of independence and right. things like that. Like, it's... I mean, if you watch Orange is the New Black, it's like they get out, they go back in. You know, it's just like... Right. Yeah. I mean, and I... I think, you know, in that BBC documentary, there were people who got arrested on purpose because yeah. because of that. They're like, yeah. jail is preferable to me being out. And it was hard to watch because you're watching these women struggle to find a job, not being able to find a job, and then falling back into a life of crime because being in jail is preferable to yeah. being on the street in exactly. winter, you exactly. know? Exactly, exactly. So I'm going to list a few more just because we bounced around a little bit. I want to make sure that we list some of the um, ways, the different organizations and stuff that we can support. So for domestic abuse, you can donate to the domestic violence centers near you or the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence and the National Domestic Violence Hotline are good resources and organizations. And all of these um, I will put in our description yeah. box. Yes. So if you are looking for a direct link, we will put it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll also make sure we do some kind of something on our Instagram. Definitely. So for mental health, there is an organization called the Care for the Homeless and Mental Health America, and it addresses the intersection of mental health and homelessness. Um, We talked a little bit about, like, gender inequality in the workplace, um, safety issues, and things like that. There is the Coalition for the Homeless, which has job training programs designed to provide job skills to women without stable housing. And many shelters have education training programs to help the homeless pursue their GED in higher education, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, I think that's all of the ones that I have listed here. But, yeah, we'll make sure that we make a a list of all of those things and put them in the show notes. And we can post something on Instagram as well. Um, These are all really good things to look into, to be a part of, if you're feeling extra charitable this holiday season. Right. I mean, and also something that you can do is reach out to your local homeless shelters and ask them what they need. Yeah. Because a lot of times, I I did that last year, and I was like, hey, I have all these blankets. And they were like, 
actually we have enough blankets, but yeah. th- these are the things that we need. Yeah, I so, think that's a great idea. So definitely, if you just want to do something even kind of s- relatively small, um, but still tremendously helpful, yeah. uh, that is something that you can do. Just be able, you know, go through your closet. Yeah. If there's a coat that you don't want anymore, yeah. you know, but could benefit somebody else. It's a great idea. And just keep your mind and heart open. I know you and I were talking about how last week it was torrentially raining here in LA for a couple of days and it was about 50 degrees which for us is cold and it was raining hard. Yeah and and it was windy. It was not a comfortable time. Yeah and we were researching for this episode and it was like it really got me thinking like where are these people? How are they? Are they staying safe? Are they staying warm? Are they staying dry? This was definitely one of those episodes for me where as I'm researching through the week, it kind of like stuck with me. Yeah. You know, with everything that I do. And I, I kind of became a little bit extra thankful and aware. And I think that it's it's a good thing to give ourselves a reality check as often as we can. How privileged and lucky yeah, we absolutely. are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Know? I mean, I feel incredibly lucky. Uh, should we go through a little bit more statistics? Yeah. So, among industrial nations, the U.S. has the largest number of homeless women and the highest number on record since the Great Depression. <sighs> Yeah. America! America! Up to 92% of homeless women have experienced severe sexual or physical assault at some point in their lives. 57% cite sexual or domestic violence as the direct cause of their homelessness. Women, Homeless women are three times the normal rate of post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, there's, I have a little bit here about veterans as well. So mm-hmm. female homeless vets are often of a younger age, often unemployed, and at a higher rate of mental illness. Female right. vets have a higher rate of PTSD than their male counterparts, as well as increased likelihood of alcohol abuse, which I didn't know. Yes. Um, I actually have personal experience with that with, with members of my own family. And the alcohol dependence is... Partially due to the amount of sexual assault that goes yep. on in militaries in military. and that whole like boys club. We culture. really should have a military episode. We will. I'm sure we will at some point. Because there's a lot of. I mean, I dated ex-military, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that I learned through that relationship that was just like, what the fuck. Well, the amount of the amount of substance abuse in general yeah. for vets is yeah. high because you're coping, especially if you have post-traumatic stress. Yeah, because and you're they're coping. really not always given proper no care no oh god no yeah. I'm, I'm from a military family no my yeah. dad is 47 and he is um retiring because yeah. of medical issues yeah and the way that they have had to fight yeah. to to even get basic care is insane it's exactly. insane well homeless women in general even if they're not veterans are twice as likely to have drug or alcohol dependencies uh, homeless women between the ages of 18 and 44 are 5 to 31 times more likely to die than women in general population. Mm-hmm. And homeless women in their 50s, they say, are physiologically aged as housed women in their 70s. Wow. Which wow. Is like, I mean, yeah, that shit. Well, I mean, just think you. of it's it's the thing again, the things that we take for granted. Just yeah. think of like <laughs> dental health. Yeah. You know, like your teeth falling out and like what yeah. happens because you can't go to the dentist. You can't get a root canal taken care of. You can't. You know, that's going to age you. Yeah. You're going to end up with dentures when yeah. you're in your 50s, if you can even afford them. Exactly. You know? Um, and I think the only other thing that we have kind of briefly touched on but haven't done a super deep dive on is substance abuse. Yeah. Addiction in homelessness. Yeah. And the ways in which we dr- we judge addicts. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just kind of one of those things where, of course, those things go hand in hand, and it's easy for us to say, why can't you stop 
doing this, you know? Yeah. Look at the way it's destroying your life. Why can't you stop doing this? When the truth of the matter is that addiction is a disease, first of all. Yeah. It's not as easy as just stopping, and it's certainly... It's not healthy to just stop, either. And it's very difficult to do it on your own. Yeah. It's super, super hard. And the cost for any sort of care with is that is so unreal. high. It's, it's unreal. unbelievable. Like, yeah. to, you watch Intervention, and you get to see them go to these beautiful, wonderful, um, yeah. you know, care you clinics. You hear about, but, you know, Lindsay Lohan and so on, you know, going to these great places in Malibu, and it's But like, that being feasible for even the average... <laughs> person, let alone somebody who has very few financial resources, is low. Yeah. Um, You know, so it's just one of those things that I think we need to, again, have a little bit of compassion towards. Yeah. And then we need to understand that even if they do get sober, that doesn't solve their other problems. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then it can be very easy to sink back into addiction as a coping mechanism because it's much, much harder to have to face. Sometimes people, yeah, like, I mean, think about, you know, I'll have a couple glasses of wine at night, you know, Mm -hmm. just to, like, unwind, feel better, things like that. And it's like, they need those ways to unwind and maybe just want to get away for a little bit in their heads. Right, and even if they do get sober, you're still homeless. You still need to find a job. You still have all of these other obstacles yeah. that that makes it really hard for you to stay. to maintain your sobriety. Yeah. You're not in a good place to maintain your sobriety. Exactly. You know, exactly. so I think we do need to have a little bit of compassion for these people. And again, we also don't know what kind of underlying mental health issues they are self-medicating from, exactly. you know, or traumas that yeah, they're self-medicating from. Yeah, that's probably more, you know, street drugs or whatever you want to call them are probably more accessible than getting you know, proper medication oh, 100%. for your health. 100%. 100%. It's yeah. easier to find drugs on the street to help you self-medicate yeah. or to just drink to self-medicate yeah. than and, and less expensive than to find real lasting solutions for your exactly. mental health. So I just think that we all need to have a little bit more. The, the theme of this episode is empathy and compassion, yeah. you know, really. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else? I don't think so. Okay, I think, I think I covered yeah, all that shit. Yeah, you did great. You covered tons of bases. Thank you. <laughs> I, I told you, like, this is one of those episodes that just, like, all through the week, I just, like, couldn't stop doing my reading and all that kind of stuff. This is one that I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I am going to put together some, this holiday season, try and put together some... Even just Ziploc baggies of mm-hmm. of some things. I have stuff in my clo- you know, in my food pantry that I don't even yeah, use. You exactly. Know? So I'm going to definitely do that, make yep. that a goal for myself. Yeah. Um, Every time I go through my closets, I always try to donate to Goodwill or find somewhere that I can. And I go through my closets a lot because I love I love to buy clothes, even if it's cheap. Yeah, me too. Um, so it's like if I ever have the opportunity, I like to be able to donate my clothes and things like that. I think I am going to start donating like some more socks and things like that because I feel like socks yes. are always or needed. like um, I have a pair and this I mean we should get them to sponsor us because they do a lot of uh, podcast sponsoring. But Bomba socks, yes. Um, I have a pair of Bomba socks. They donate a pair of socks to homelessness for every yeah. pair that they sell. Um, so even if you can only support in that way, you get a 
bomb ass pair of socks. Yeah. Um, and, and you're ensuring that somebody else gets a pair as right, well. Right. H- have you seen the video about the women who hire other homeless women to make these coats that turn into sleeping bags? No, but that's awesome. It's really cool. It's like you can kind of like you fold it a certain way and it's a coat during the day and then at night you unfold it and you sleep in it. I love it. And that's they hire amazing. other homeless women because to getting, make the clothes. Getting your um, sleeping bag stolen is a big uh, yeah. deal in the homeless community. So yeah. if you had one that and you, you could wear and wear take it. with you. Yeah. Um, there was another thing that I saw and I thought of you um, because I was like, this is something we should do. It's like there was a video that went viral a couple years ago of like old kind of old grandmas who would get together and crochet. Yeah. Um, they Well, what they would do is they would cr- take like Walmart bags, plastic yeah. bags, and they would use like a big crochet hook uh-huh. and crochet sleeping mats out of them. They made sleeping mats That's that could be like rolled idea. up and they would give them you know, out to homeless people, something soft to lay on. That's you know. such a good idea. Yeah, and I we could do that. that. So, we totally could. And, you know, what I are you also, doing with those bags anyway? Exactly. <laughs> I also really love the Giving Key company. That's another... Do you know about the Giving uh-uh. Key? I've got one. So, they again, they hire homeless people to basically engrave these necklaces, these keys mm-hmm. that they put on chains with different words, different inspirational things. And the whole thing behind it is really, really cool. So they have a website that you can go on, and there's, like, a blog. So you buy it, and it's, like, you buy it for a word that you really need, and then you wear it until you don't need it anymore, and then you give it to somebody else that that really needs that word. That is so beautiful. And then you go online, and you tell your little story, who you gave it to, why, why that word helped you. I love it. And you pass it on, and then it's, again, it's all made they're all engraved by homeless oh, okay people. i want to get that for like everyone in my life yeah I they're think that kind that's of they're kind of expensive but it yeah is but for i a mean cause. it's for a good cause i'm willing to again like bomba socks although they are like the best socks i own um they are more expensive than yeah. your typical pair of socks but you know what i'm willing to pay an extra five bucks yeah. if it means that someone else gets a pair of socks exactly you know? same thing kind of like what when tom's was doing that I don't yeah know they still are with their shoes mm-hmm. and stuff i think like so that. but yeah, there's a lot of really great things out there where, especially in the holiday season, when you're wanting to buy yeah. clothes for people, you know, to make sure that, you know, they can get something and know that you're also helping somebody else. I think right. it's really great. It's awesome. It's awesome. So we hope we've given you a little bit of something to think about. A little something to I'm think really about. happy we did this episode, and I'm particularly happy that we did it in December. I agree. Um, so while you're inside staying warm, just keep, you know, keep, keep an open mind, mind yep. about, about people who might be outside without the same privileges. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you would like to write us and... Yeah, guys, you've been sending us Ask Me Anything questions, which is great. Amazing. Um, so please continue to do that. If you have any stories that you want to share with us involving this episode, past episodes, episode ideas that you have for us, you guys are always so insightful and wonderful and have really great insight and ideas for yeah, us. If, if you have a charity that um, yes. you know you would like to you'd like us to give a shout out to on the show, we would love to do that. I would love to help you out. Yeah. So you can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, please do at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can DM us there. You can get us on Twitter at Yamf Podcast, Y A N F Podcast. And you can also find us on Facebook through our business page or our 
um, group page. Yep. And you can rate us on Facebook. That helps us out a lot. And you yeah. can also rate us and review us on iTunes. That yep. helps us out a that ton. That helps us so much. And we will definitely feature you for Reviews Day Tuesday if you do that. Exactly. So. Let's see. So ask me anything. We haven't gotten any Sister Solidarity stories in a while, which I would really love to hear. Again, during the holiday season, I just want to hear Perfect loving, time. Yeah. wonderful stories of people helping each other out. Oh my god, I actually have a Sister Solidarity story. I was going to say, I thought you did. I totally do. I'll save it for next mini episode. Okay, perfect. So remind me. Perfect. So I don't forget. Um, what was I going to say? I think that's... I think that's it. I think that's everything that we need to talk about. Yeah. Thanks for spending the Sunday morning with me, Keegan. Oh, thank you. Love you, <laughs> Love you too. Alright, so with that being said, we encourage you to, to rage on. Bye! Bye! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.